And welcome back to uh, Crust in the Afternoon. And we're going to talk about a very serious subject, grieving miscarriage as a Catholic. Uh, the experience of miscarriage causes deep grief to mother and father, often leaving parents unsure of how to navigate the tragedy. And we have as our guest, Abby Jorgensen. Abby Jorgensen is a Dulia uh, educator and sociologist. She and her family live in South Bend, Indiana. And you can visit her website at abbythesociologistdoula.com. And Abby Jorgensen, welcome to Crest in the Afternoon. Thanks so much for having me, Gary. Well, Abby, first let me start. I, I've never heard of a doulia before. What exactly is a doulia? Oh, I'm so excited to tell you then, Gary. So a doula <laughs> is someone who walks with families through the perinatal period, typically. Uh, sometimes you'll also hear about death doulas who walk with folks at the end of their life. But essentially, the word doula comes from a Greek word meaning a servant or supporter. And the idea of doula work is that we as doulas walk alongside people in moments of big transitions. So I might come into a birth situation with a lot more knowledge and experience about childbirth than the average parents, but really oriented toward them and really focused on being present to them, uh, bearing witness to the amazing and sometimes really awful things that are happening in their family. So as a doula, I primarily walk with families in situations of birth and bereavement, uh, and that's my specialty, and that's what we're here to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, you know, the tragedy of miscarriage, of course, people don't prepare for that. That comes out of the blue. Uh, and so when it happens, I, I imagine parents who experience that are probably at a loss as to how to deal with uh, grieving the loss of a little loved one. Absolutely. I think many times we might hear the stats. Sometimes we may not even hear the stats, but one in four clinically known pregnancies ends in a miscarriage or other type of perinatal loss. And when we hear those stats, we might think, oh, that happens to people. That's really sad. That is a tragedy. But we don't often realize that it can happen to us ourselves. So I've been doing bereavement work for eight or nine years now and had my own first loss just six years ago, right? And so the idea that, oh, it could even happen to me, even though I know about this. This isn't something where if you just learn enough, right? If you just pray enough, then it won't happen. It's a tragedy that does just happen sometimes. And so making sure that families have a place to turn to and know that there are resources and support for them, especially within the church, is very important to me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and indeed, even just with loved ones, you know, the extended family uh, many times don't even know, you know, how do you approach it? Do you, do you act like it didn't happen? Right. Do you offer support? So, yeah, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, different resources within the church to help with grieving parents. For sure. So there are a lot of really wonderful ministries and groups that are available to folks. But one thing that I've learned as a bereavement doula who has clients across the United States and outside the United States as well is that the resources that are available to someone vary a lot by diocese and then also vary a lot by your particular parish priest or your particular deacon. So, for example, in my diocese of Fort Wayne, or Fort in South Bend, we have a diocese-wide provision that you can have a funeral mass for a little one who has died before they even have a chance for baptism. So that's a beautiful right that some dioceses automatically say you can just have in this situation. In other dioceses, that's not the case. You might have to individually petition in order to have that particular right for your little one. And honestly, 
for myself and for a lot of my clients, when you're in that position of grief and trauma and perhaps still waiting to actually meet your baby or give birth to your baby, the last thing you want to be doing a lot of the times is calling your diocesan office to see what rights are actually available to you, right? Yeah, so that's right. something where bereavement doulas and loved ones and other support people can really step up and find out, like, what is available in my diocese? So that's one challenge I have for you, Gary, and all your listeners. Like, when you go home tonight, call your diocese or look on your diocesan website and see, like, what is the typical procedure? What rights are available automatically in my diocese for families who suffer a loss? Uh, and which ones do you have to do more work in order to get? I think that's a really concrete way that every single one of us can be prepared to help a loved one who suffers a miscarriage. Yeah, absolutely. And talk about being able to, to bring closure, you know. Um, yeah. Because uh, yeah. It, it, it's it's almost like um, there's no aftermath, you know, the baby's gone. And so to have a funeral would be, a uh, funeral mass would be incredibly comforting. So yeah, that's Absolutely. that's an excellent point. Yeah, yeah what, so I will say there is a complicating factor with this, which is that sometimes it's impossible to identify the remains of a little one. Mm, and yeah. in a lot of the funeral setups, you expect that there's remains, right? So I've seen these beautiful diocesan masses that a lot of places do, where they'll have like one mass a month for all the babies whom we weren't able to procure their remains, or we don't know what happened to their remains, right, or things like that. And that idea that there's a funeral, even for those little ones, just brings me as a lost mom and as a bereavement doula so much comfort. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, what other resources are there? So there are individual priests and deacons who are sometimes really educated on miscarriage, sometimes have done a lot of training in being grief-informed and things like that, whether in homilies or in individual pastoral moments. Uh, and then mm -hmm. sometimes that's something that priests don't have a lot of education on or deacons don't have a lot of education on. So that really varies for families as well. And in my experience, families can have really, really wonderful experiences and support from their local parish, and they can have really terrible and often damaging uh, interactions as well. So that's something mm -hmm. that I often try to help the family figure out, like what kind of support are you looking from, for from your parish? But your parish is made up of more than just one person, right? And so remembering mm -hmm. that there are often these individual parish-led ministries, uh, especially women who put together boxes for families who are experiencing a miscarriage or will organize meal trains or things like that. A lot of this is at the local level and a lot of the, the support for the church specifically is at the local level. And so knowing what resources are available in your area is a huge gift that you can give a grieving family. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so I'm, I'm sure, uh, you know, as grieving family, mother and father uh, grieve together. Do mothers and fathers, do they grieve differently? I think so. I think this is hard because individuals grieve differently. Yeah. Uh, and then if you're the person who's actually given birth to the baby, that's a different type of grief than if you never got the chance to hold the baby, right? Uh, sure. And so for me, one thing that brings me a lot of comfort is that I got to cuddle my little ones every moment of their existence. Mm -hmm. And my husband just doesn't have that same opportunity or gift to see comfort in that, right? So that's one really concrete difference. But then also, mothers might experience a lot more blame or find a way to make this about their fault or an inadequacy on their part. Uh, and I think a lot of fathers don't necessarily have to navigate that to the same degree. So those are some of the like challenges and pitfalls that I see, especially for moms. I will also say that a, a third group that's really affected by loss and miscarriage is siblings. 
-hmm. And siblings can have a lot of questions, even the two-year-old who understands that something is happening but doesn't know what, right? Or the 12-year-old who really gets that something's going on but has a lot of big and serious questions. And I think even thinking about the types of questions that children may have and how they may differ or be really exactly the same as parents can be helpful helpful too. So my biggest recommendation to anyone who is concerned about like how should I approach a mother, how should I approach a father, how should I approach an older sibling or a slightly younger sibling is really just that across all three of those groups or four of those groups, the biggest gift we can give is the gift of listening and the Mm -hmm. gift of being there with someone when they grieve. So while people may grieve in different ways and have different pitfalls they may encounter in their grief, listening will be a gift to them in any situation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I imagine it, it certainly varies individual to individual. Some uh, parents may want to listen and have a group that has undergone the experience. I imagine some would probably want personal one-on-one consultation. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, so yeah. I see people who have both of those, right? Some people need it to be really private. Uh, and other people need to process very publicly. And sometimes those are the same people just at two different points in their grief journey, right? And that's okay. That's a right. So I often work one-on-one with moms or one-on-one with dads. I often work with couples. Occasionally I work with families. And then I offer a bereaved moms community group with Motherwell Doula, which meets online every second Tuesday night. So anyone who is a bereaved mom, no matter when the loss occurred or how far along uh, a baby was in their life when the loss occurred, they can come together and meet with other moms on Zoom and just talk about what it's like to be a bereaved mom. And I found that space to be really helpful and healing. I'm looking forward to doing one for dads in the future, but obviously I'm not a dad, so I don't have quite as much expertise uh, in that particular area. But knowing that there are groups for dads and there are groups like mine for moms where people can come together publicly uh, and talk about like what this meant just really goes against the societal norm that this is something we don't talk about. This is something we push down and hide away because it's shameful or bad or too sad. No, these are real life things that happen to real life people, us and our peers and our loved ones and our fellow parishioners at church, right? And knowing that there are people out there who are willing to engage these topics and willing to listen and willing to be there and sit in grief with other people is really important to me. Now, your sense of uh, local churches and ministry uh, for uh, grieving parents, uh, what percentage would you say, the average uh, of all the parishes, how many would have programs uh, to support grieving parents? Ooh, that's a really good question. I want to say probably 40%. This is very unscientific, though, right? This is mm-hmm. a lot of times when people call me, it's because they can't find something local. So I may have an oversample of people who don't have resources or can't find the resources in their local area. Um, but I feel like it's something that's definitely grown over the past 10 years or so, and that excites me a lot. And the idea that there are different ways to be in that ministry or different kinds of that ministry, uh, I think makes it a lot more accessible to families. So if a dad wants to start a grieving dad's group, he can. But if he also feels really uncomfortable with leading something or facilitating something, he can start a meal train. And that's a huge gift, right? But it's a very different kind of skill set or talent that he's bringing to that sort of gift. And so I've seen this explosion in what's available uh, in the resources and the the attention paid to perinatal loss in the Catholic Church, um, 
and I think there's a spot for everybody in this ministry. So I'm really hoping that the number of folks who have to call me because they can't find anyone else dramatically goes down, right? That's the goal. Yeah. Uh, but knowing that you can always call a bereavement doula, especially if you're looking for a Catholic bereavement doula, you can always call me. Like There are resources out there for folks, even if they're harder to find or they're not local, uh, and hopefully we're going to minimize the number of, of local areas that don't have those resources. Yeah, well, this is a great call for anyone out there that has a parish that doesn't have this kind of ministry. You know, maybe God is calling you to start something at your local parish. Is there is there some sort of national, uh, like, hotline or, or resource people can get in touch with? Yeah, there are definitely a lot of different uh, places that people can look. A lot of times it depends on what in particular they're looking for. So if you're looking for something that's secular versus Catholic, if you're looking for something for a loss that's recent versus a while ago, whatever that may be, I'd be happy to get in touch with you and figure out exactly what it is uh, that you need and how we can get that support into your life. Excellent. Well, thank you, Abby, so much for coming on Crushed in the Afternoon. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, Gary. I appreciate it, too.